what does it mean to bring our whole selves into the world? To give ourselves the gift of unconditional acceptance? Join me as we learn together. I'm Jorgen Salvis, and this is Unshaming. Hey Unshamers, this is Jor, and I just want to remind you there are only three episodes left of season two of Unshaming, so follow us on Instagram and TikTok if you haven't already, so you can stay updated while we're on a break. We're going to be taking a pause from the beginning of September, and then we're going to return in the fall. Now let's get into the show. So this episode is super special because I got to interview one of my dear friends and one of the producers on Unshaming, Ronald Hinton. Aside from helping to produce Unshaming, he's also an actor and a filmmaker. And recently he founded his own media company called Shared Soil Productions. And it's all about uplifting the stories of marginalized voices in society. His first project under his company is a documentary about his hair loss journey called My Hair, My Rules. Ronald started losing his hair at the age of 20, but decided to have a hair transplant procedure to prevent any more hair loss and reconstruct his receding hairline. Even as one of Ronald's closest friends, I always thought he wanted to do the procedure for cosmetic reasons, and there's nothing wrong with that. But in watching the documentary and listening to his story, I realized that this was so much deeper than that. And for so many people, hair is so much more than hair. It's an identity. And when I think about it, and the documentary really helped me think about it in this way, hair can be about self-expression and the way that we want to be seen in the world. I heard Jan Levan Zant once say, we get our meaning from our stories. We get our purpose from our stories. And sometimes our hair can be a window into those greater stories about who we are and where we come from, especially for those of us who aren't extremely connected to where we come from. Our hair is sometimes the only sense of connection and belonging that we have to that culture. Whether or not people choose to act on their hair loss Hair loss is significant and a meaningful moment for many people. This episode isn't just a story about hair loss, though, or hair loss and cosmetic surgery to prevent that hair loss. This is a story of finding your identity and fighting for it despite multiple encounters with shame. Ronald's documentary, My Hair, My Rules, is currently streaming as part of the New York Liftoff Film Festival. You can watch it by clicking the link in the show notes. This is the shame of hair loss. I started noticing my hair loss uh, around the age of about like 19 or 20. So the first time I actually grew my hair, I was 19 years old. I guess to kind of bring it back... When I was a kid, I wasn't ever really able to, or growing up, I wasn't ever really able to grow my hair out. I remember just 
from being a baby, my haircuts were routinely scheduled for me. So I would always get a haircut about every week or every other week. Um, I'd be in the barbershop, you know, when I was younger with my mom and then I started going by myself. They would give me money to like go get a haircut and I would sit in the uh, sit at the barbershop. I was getting haircuts so often because my family, I grew up with my Puerto Rican family. So I'm Puerto Rican and black. I had a relationship with my black side. However, it was very limited. I, I was just mostly raised with my Puerto Rican side and my family so happens to be very white presenting. They have finer hair, very loose hair, straight hair. Yeah, very different from my tight, kinky, curly hair. And so they didn't really know how to manage my hair or take care of my hair because that's not really what they they knew. They didn't have examples of this. They didn't really know what to do with this kind of hair. So they just um, made you cut it because they didn't know what to do with it. Yeah, exactly. They would make me cut it just because they didn't really know what to do with it. And they thought that, you know, it wasn't very manageable. And the w- best way to to manage it or to take care of it was to just cut it. So when was the first time that you decided to grow out your hair? You'd been getting buzz cuts your whole life. At what point did you decide, I want to try to explore what my hair could look like if I grow it out more than what I've always sort of known it to be? Yeah. So the first time I actually started growing my hair, I was 16. And I was really excited because I saw some pictures of me when I was a baby and I had a few pictures where I had uh, a little bit longish hair and like a little afro and it was really cute. And I was like, I want to see what that looks like. I was 16 and I decided I want to grow my hair. I want to see what it looks like. I'm tired of getting haircuts. Uh, So I started growing my hair. I remember the curls starting to come in and I'm like, okay, I'm not really sure what this is going to look like, but like, I'm excited to find out. Uh, And so I started growing my hair and I remember it was Christmas Eve and Christmas Eve, especially in like a Latinx household is just like the day Christmas day. We don't really do very much, but like Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve, is just like, those are the days where everyone comes together. My grandma's house was like the hot spot, So everyone was there. This Christmas Eve, I had started growing my hair. And so kind of everyone had something to say. They would kind of just say these comments in Spanish, like insinuating kind of that there was something wrong with it. I I didn't feel like anybody in my family, you know, was out here supporting me. And I didn't have anybody to even have conversations with about it at at that point in time. And so it was kind of like me fighting for my own identity and my own me fighting for my own like image and so that kind of played a role in me cutting it again and I just kind of maintained buzz cuts until the time I was 19 and I was in college Um, I was living on my own at the time because I was an RA so I had my own space I had uh, two jobs I was working and so I was making my own money nobody really was giving me very much I wasn't really relying on anybody for anything and so I was like you know I'm going to make my own decisions at this point in time and nobody can tell me anything. Uh, And so So this was always a curiosity that you had was what is my hair going to look like if I grow this out? Yeah, definitely. Because I really had no idea. And, you know, as, (laughs) as just someone of like a mixed background, it could look so many different ways. Like you don't know what to expect. And so it it was something I always wanted to explore. And so when I was 19 on my 19th birthday, actually was the last haircut 
I got. Again, not having this relationship with my Black side of my family, I didn't really relate to my Blackness. It was very hard for me really owning my identities, all of my identities, because I didn't have examples of what this was. And the the people who were around me, more often than not, put down the the Black characteristics in me. I feel like the stereotypes that they would project are just, you know, Black people aren't very successful. Black people are not very motivated, ambitious. They're not beautiful, unprofessional. Yeah, all of these kind of negatives that are typically associated with Blackness, I really started to internalize. And yeah, it was really hard for me because I really try to separate myself from that for a long time. What was it like when you actually grew out your hair? And then talk about experiencing the hair loss. When I was 19, I decided to grow my hair out. It was my last haircut. And I really started to love it. Yeah, once my I started seeing my curls grow in, I had a friend at the time who was going through her natural hair journey. And so she was just teaching me about products, finding out my hair type, you know, sleeping with a bonnet, sleeping with a do-rag, anything that was like really protective for black hair. I started doing my own research. I started looking on YouTube, looking online, you know, treating my hair better, actually taking care of it in terms of sleeping with a satin pillowcase. Did it make you feel like you were a part of a community? Like you finally felt like you were understanding a little bit more about who you were? Yeah, it made, it really made me feel like connected to my Blackness. I was able to relate to different people who are also going through curly hair journeys. <laughs> I was able to speak with people on different products and also laugh with people on the amount of products that we would buy and how much money we'd spend on hair care. And it really did feel like I was a part of this community and I was being embraced and embracing the Black community. Tell us, when did you start experiencing the hair loss? When did you start noticing it? When did it start becoming something that you were bothered by? Sure. So I started noticing the hair loss around the age of like 20, like 20, I believe, because I started growing my hair at 19 and I was really, really excited to like do styles and pull my hair back and like a little ponytail and like, yeah, just just express myself a bit more through my hair And the first time that I did a ponytail in my hair and pulled it back, I was really excited. I was taking pictures and I took a picture from like straight up, straight upright. And I noticed that my hairline was receding. Whoa, like no way. Like I was not accepting it at the time. I was like, no way. Like what is going on? I, yeah, I didn't know what to do. I was just kind of like, this cannot be happening. I just started growing this hair. I just started embracing this part of me. This hair is starting to become a really big part of me. And there can be no way that I'm losing it. So what happens next? So I was just like, okay, what do I do? Like, what solutions do I find? And so I started Googling, you know, my hairline is receding. What can I do for that? How to regrow hair? And I found, you know, articles talking about peppermint oil, Jamaican castor oil, things like wild hair growth, 
you know, scalp massages and things like that. And so I was just trying those things. I went out to the beauty supply store. I bought, you know, a lot of these products and I was just out here trying them. It was still very subtle, the, the recession. And so I wasn't stressing too much. However, I knew that I didn't want it to get worse. So I decided to also go and see a dermatologist. Like I showed him kind of what I was experiencing. He kind of told me that it was male pattern baldness. He asked me about my familial history and I do have like bald men in my family on both sides. And so he was like, it's male pattern baldness. Uh, and I was like, well, what can I do about that? You know, like I don't want to lose my hair, especially at such a young age. I I'm an actor and I feel like that will age me. I want to have as many opportunities as I can. Two, I just feel like I love this. This is like a big part of me now and I just don't want to lose it. I want to have the option of being bald. So he told me that my options really were, he said natural things weren't going to work. He told me my, my options were finasteride, which is a daily pill that you can take that is supposed to block certain hormone that causes hair loss in your body. Two, minoxidil, which is the generic brand of Rogaine. That you have to apply twice daily to your scalp. And then three, a hair transplant. And I didn't want to do any of those. <laughs> um, all of those like sounded very intense and like had side effects that I didn't necessarily want to put myself through. So I kept using the natural stuff and I kept noticing recession. So I went back and I was like, okay, I think it might be time to try this stuff out. Uh, so I tried the minoxidil. It made my scalp itch like crazy. I was really scratching my head to the point at times where like I would scratch and it would burn because I scratched so hard that like I was cutting myself. So then I was like, okay, I will try, I'll try this pill. Uh, so I got a prescription for the pill for Nastride. I was taking it daily, but shortly after I ended up getting a partner and I started noticing the erectile dysfunction and it was so embarrassing because I was like super into this person, you know, it was not going well. <laughs> and I was just like, what is going on? And I realized that aside from the stress of like, you know, no, noticing that my hairline is receding. Now I have a stress of like, will I be able to please my partner? Will I be able to like pleasure myself? But also if I choose to get off this pill, then is my hair going to go? Because the, the, the whole right. thing of the pill, yeah, the whole thing of the pill is to retain the hair that you have. Then I had to make the decision, like what, what's worth more, you know, holding onto my hair or like being able to enjoy my time with my partner. And I felt like enjoying my time with my partner was worth more. So I decided to get off that pill go back onto minoxidil, which is the generic brand of Rogan, which made my head itch so much. But I was kind of like anything I can do that doesn't make me lose it. But then kind of talk about like the hair transplant. Hair transplant too. Yeah. So in both of those things, not being very effective for me or not being very enjoyable for me, I finally started being open to considering the option of a hair transplant. What was the element of shame here? Were you talking to people about this? Were you asking friends? Were you getting the perspective of people that you know as it pertains to this? Or were you kind of embarrassed by it? 
I started exploring that. I talked to my dermatologist about it. I started looking up, uh, you know, on Google, just a lot of, a lot of hair transplant examples. I found a bunch of forums, but almost always everyone was anonymous. And so it was just really interesting because they would take pictures of their scalp. They would take pictures of the things that, you know, were going on with their hair. They would write these long posts, but it was all anonymous. And it kind of, it was just really interesting because I got it from one perspective because I was like, wait, I don't want to talk about this either. Um, I didn't throughout and throughout this whole time, I really wasn't sharing this with anyone. I was embarrassed by it. I was not talking to anybody that I knew. I did not want them to know that me at 20 years old am losing my hair. I felt like I didn't want to believe in myself. And also, if I can prevent this, if I can, you know, repair it, <laughs> then I'm going to do that and nobody would have to know, you know, mm-hmm. what's the use in telling people if I can solve it, you know, and I'm such a, if I can solve it, I don't need anyone's help. <laughs> um, and that sometimes works to my detriment because I definitely felt alone in the process. And I that stressed me out even more. And the number one thing when you're losing your hair is probably to not stress <laughs> because wow, that right. will make it worse. That's kind of what I was doing. I was living like in secrecy, like searching these online forums, like literally up so late looking up where can I get a hair transplant? What's the price for a hair transplant? Learning about how many grafts needs to be transferred in order for the hair transplant to be effective. So you had oh, become obsessed with it. I actually didn't think about it that way, but yeah, it was just always at the at the forefront of my mind, like Jordan. It, it's crazy because it really started to consume me. Like I would go outside the wind would blow and I would feel so self-conscious. And it's like on really windy days, I honestly did not want to go outside because I'm like, the wind is going to blow. It's going to blow my hair up. And then people are going to notice my whole hairline. It was like, everyone is going to see this. Everyone's going to know this. Everyone's going to laugh at this. I am so young and like people are just not, they're not going to find me attractive anymore. Um, I'm going to look so old. All of these yeah, it was a lot of shame. It was just like, wow, I can't believe that this thing that I was really growing a connection to and really just starting for the first time in my life, really starting to embrace and learn about is leaving me and I can't get it back. We'll be right back. Unshaming is proudly supported by Headspace. Headspace is the incredible meditation app that has completely changed my life. I actually downloaded Headspace last year at the beginning of quarantine because for the life of me, I could not fall asleep. And I think so many of us were having issues with sleep around that time, like at the beginning of quarantine, during quarantine. And for me, it was affecting everything. So I downloaded Headspace and it seriously helped clean up my sleep habits and finally get me back on track. But now I don't just use it for sleep. I use it when I need me time, time in my life that is clean and still. I'm so proud to be supported by Headspace because I truly believe in this product. We all deserve to feel happier. You deserve to feel happier. And Headspace is meditation made simple. 
Go to headspace.com slash unshaming. That's headspace.com slash unshaming for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. So head to headspace.com slash unshaming. Hey, I'm Kiara, and I do the web strategy for unshaming. One of my favorite episodes of unshaming is the shame of anti-Asian violence. This episode centers around Tony Lee, a 27-year-old gay Asian-American journalist for NBC News. The interview tackled the complexities surrounding the recent rise in anti-Asian violence in America. Personally, it opened my eyes to the trials of Asian-American identity. On Unshaming, we produce content that helps people understand the silenced voices of society. We're able to tell these stories thanks to patrons of the show. If you support this work, you can support the show by donating to our Patreon now at patreon.com unshaming. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash unshaming. Thank you. So I'd say like at this age, 22 and up, basically most men are, if not already experiencing hair loss, experiencing the beginnings of hair loss. And I wonder what your perspective on this is. Like, why are we so silent about this? If this is something that all of us are experiencing and most of us are bothered by. Most of us are thinking, I don't want this to affect my career. I don't want this to affect my prospects of attracting a a sexy partner, right? So why do you think we are so silent about this if it's something that most of us are thinking about and most of us at this age are starting to go through? Well, I think that we're so silent about it because standards of masculinity and what it means to be a man. I think that one of the biggest things for me, you know, I embrace my queerness. I, I, I love it. I don't try and deny it or downplay it. But there still is that prospect of like, you're a man and it shouldn't bother you that much. You know, I feel like when you start to lose your hair and if you do decide to go bald, the minute you really shave that head, it's just a whole new look that you have. Like you've seen yourself with hair for literally mm. all of your life. And then you shave your head and it's a whole new look. It's a whole new image you're bringing to the world that you may not be ready for. And one thing that I never really was asked was just like, how does that make you feel? Um, And why, you know, why are you so scared about this? People are reassuring me that I'm going to look good no matter what. People are kind of dismissing my feelings and they're like, no, you're not balding. I don't see it. No, that's not happening. It also felt like I was just going through through it alone. And like that definitely added to to the shame around it. So what was it like reconciling on the one hand, I want to accept myself for who I am. I want to accept myself for who I am in the present moment. I want to accept my body for where it's at in the present moment and allow it to go through its natural stages And then on the other hand, wanting to get the hair transplant in order to continue being a part of this community that you just finally felt like you were accepted into and finally felt like you had found a sense of belonging through your hair, your hair being more than your hair, but sort of a sense of identity for you. What was it like kind of reconciling those two things for you? Yeah, so I like to think of my hair and a lot of black hair as cultural blueprints, I say. And I think that that's what beautiful does that mean? because 
that means that, yeah, a lot of Black Americans don't know where they came from or a lot about their ancestry, but hair tells like such interesting stories, the hair texture that you have, there's kinkier curls, there's like looser curls, there's like all of these different hair types that kind of give you some insights into your ancestry. Um, And I think that's really fascinating. And there's stories about, you know, during slavery, Black women hiding rice in their hair for food. (laughs) And so it's just like Black hair is so much larger than just hair. Like there's so many stories behind it. Yeah, so that's one aspect. I feel like I was having this connection to my hair, my ancestry. And then on another note, again, I've been I've been acting since I was 12 years old. I knew that I wanted to be in entertainment and I wanted to be in, in t- on TV, in films. And youthfulness is promoted, you know? If you're 28, as long as you look 16, you can continue to play 16. And if I'm 20 years old and I look 28, that doesn't necessarily work in my favor. If I go bald, I'm not going to have these opportunities. And so that- From a business perspective. Yeah. From a business and career perspective, I'm thinking about that. From a cultural perspective, I'm thinking I want to keep my hair because there's so much culture and history attached to that. I did, on the one hand, think about, you know, going bald and shaving my head and how I could rock that and how I could live like my most happy life. However, I always just came back to the fact that I don't want that, you know, and I think that's okay. Like that is not how I want myself to look right now in this moment. I want to have the option of growing my hair or being bald. I don't want it to be decided for me. In growing my hair too, there's so many styles that I wanted to do. There's so many, it's such a big part of your personality. You can express yourself through hair, through des- like hairstyles. Um, and I wanted to do all of this. I hadn't got the chance to do all of this yet or ever. And so I was not ready to kind of let that go. Fast forward to the moment that you are at the doctor's office. And when I watched the documentary, you had to get your hair cut off and buzzed off. And this is your first haircut in what, six years or something like that? Five years? So what was that like? And understanding that it may take you years to grow it back. It may not grow back the same. What was that moment like? That was a really scary moment um, because, yeah, all of those questions were really going through my mind. I hadn't cut my hair in so long. I had this connection to my hair. Like, what if this is the last time that I'm like with these curls? Like, what if this is the really the last time that I see this? Although I don't I don't think it will be. And this is why I'm doing it. But really, what if it is? That was something that I just had to really, I guess, keep the faith that this procedure that I had done so much research about was going to work. When we got to the, when we got to the procedure, uh, he shaved my head and it was Jordan. It was such an interesting moment because I was so scared and I was so nervous and I thought that I was going to be so sad. But when he cut my hair, I looked at myself and I was like, I look good. Like, I like this actually. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, I Yeah, I like this buzz right here. I don't necessarily want, 
like to keep it this low and I don't want it to go, but I am not too mad at this. And so it was very, it was just really interesting because when we were filming the documentary, my partner actually said, are you going to cry? And I was like, no, I don't feel sad. (laughs) It was just like a weight that was lifted off of my shoulders too, because I've been hiding this for so long. I literally Mm -hmm. would be in the mirror. I kid you not, Jordan. I would be in the mirror. I would get everywhere late because I would be in the mirror, literally looking at myself, picking out my hair with a pick with my fingers, like using like different things to hide the hair loss. And it, it would literally make me late to everywhere because I was in the bathroom for so long. I was just like, wow, that is a weight lift off my shoulders. I don't have to it's do over. that anymore. Yeah, it's kind of over. In one sense, it's over, but it's like a new beginning. And I'm really excited for what that is going to bring. I guess, you know, speaking of the mirror, that is a universal experience for all of us. We get out of the bed and the first thing we do is we brush our teeth and we look in the mirror. What is that like for you now post hair transplant? It's been seven months. What is that moment like for you when you look in the mirror? What do you see now? It's interesting because there's moments where I don't really notice it too much. I'm kind of really getting used to it. And I've been really challenging myself to embrace myself throughout this whole journey. That's something that I really had to tell myself before I got the hair transplant, before like the surgery and everything. I need to embrace myself throughout these upcoming months because the one thing that my doctor said that didn't really help, like help me too much, but he said, it's going to look worse before it looks better. And so I had to really prepare myself for that because if I didn't prepare myself for that, I would kind of just be like really upset and like stressed out more. And that's again, not what I need. And I won't lie to you. It definitely was difficult throughout this time making, like I literally had to make videos, make videos for updating people for the documentary. I had to look at myself so much that it started to become a bit easier. You know, I'm just kind of just rocking this hair. You see the recession is still noticeable. um, I will say at this point in time, but for me, that's okay. I kind of just have to accept myself like where I'm at right now. What would make me really content is if I didn't see a recession. However, I kind of just want to embrace where I'm at in this journey. The procedure does take about 12 to 18 months for you to see the full density. And so I'm just trying to trust the process. Whatever comes from it, I just have to accept. So what has this experience taught you? Because I think in all the interviews I've done now on the show, everyone seems to say everything that life throws at us in terms of challenges, stress, heartbreak, hardship, is there to teach us something. What has this experience taught you? What have you learned from from the hair loss, from the hair transplant experience, from the recovery, from all of that? If you could kind of sum it up, what would that be? If I could sum up everything that I learned, I think it would just be that I don't want to kind of let my decisions be ruled by other people. I want to own my body and not be ashamed of, you know, either telling people I'm going bald or telling people that I got a hair transplant, which I think is why I named my documentary, My Hair, My Rules, because I felt like throughout all of this journey, or I was letting my experience be dictated by other people's perceptions and not really what I wanted and like trusting myself in what I wanted, which was to do the surgery And then telling everybody and like sharing all of that with the world 
Um, I, I actually, I want you to talk about the acceptance portion because yeah, that I think some people might think of as like ironic in the sense that you ultimately ended up accepting yourself more after the hair transplant. Yeah. So tell us about that. Tell us like what that is like for you. I definitely feel happier with my decision. I don't feel as stressed as I did before. And I think that's because I trusted my gut. And I think that I was accepting of some people might not see it this way, but I think that I was accepting of my hair loss because I did accept that it was actually happening. I just also accepted that I didn't want to go that route. I wanted to go the route that I chose to, which was to keep my hair. And whatever you feel like is going to make you happy, you should really just stick to uh, and you should do because you know yourself more than anybody else does. And your opinion of yourself matters more than anybody else's. As we talk about shame and stigma, how did you go from not telling anyone at all to then wanting to make a documentary about this and share it with the world and share your very private journey about something that almost no men talk about, especially in your industry? What made you want to then share that with everyone? Uh, <laughs> I think it was literally just that because I felt so alone throughout the whole process and I felt like nobody was talking about it. And I wish that I had an example of someone who talked about it, who looked like me with my hair texture. Um, and, you know, I felt like if I'm going to make such a big decision to do this, I want to share this with the world. Like, I want to be that person who talks about it. I want to open up these conversations because if more people talked about this struggle, if more men, especially men of color, talked about this struggle with their hair, um, I wouldn't have felt so alone. I would have been able to talk to some of my guy friends and kind of we can share tips about like <laughs> what we're going through or like how to best solve it. Yeah, I just felt like I'm always someone, if, if nobody's doing it, why not me? So last question, what does a good hair day for you look like and feel like? Well, you know, they say when you look good, you feel good. And <laughs> I think that is so true. I feel like a good hair day for me is really kind of going back to just accepting where I'm at with my hair, really owning it. And kind of that leads me to have a great day because I'm owning it. I'm not caring what anybody else thinks. I'm not even letting that cross my mind as much anymore. If it does, I'm kind of just like, let that, let that slide. Let that thought keep going. Um, confidence in your own body yes, and in your own confi skin. Confidence in my body. And really just like when I feel like I own my happiness and I look good, really nobody else can tell me anything because I know how I feel and I'm not letting that be dictated by anybody anymore. So ultimately for you, a good hair day is much more within. Absolutely. One, because I have very little hair right now as a buzz cut. <laughs> <laughs> but also, yes, again, I think it ultimately starts with when you when you look good, you feel good. And ultimately you're the one who decides if you look good. And it comes for yeah, it comes from within. I'm defining my own standard of beauty. And when I feel that, I'm so much more confident. I'm so much more me fully. 
Well, thank you, Ronald, for sharing your story on unshaming and unshaming this topic that so many of us experience, but so many of us don't want to talk about and are silent about. So thank you. Um, Well, thank you, Jordan, for letting me come on the show and discuss this really important and personal topic. I really appreciate it. And I hope that it really just does resonate with a lot of the listeners. I'm Jorgen Salvis, and you've been listening to Unchaming. For more information about anyone featured on the show, follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Unchaming or visit unshamingpodcast.com. If you loved this episode, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We love hearing from you. So if you have questions or want to tell us what you're unshaming, DM us on Instagram or email us at unshamingpodcast at gmail.com. Special thanks to Mirzi for generously providing her original music. You can find her wherever you stream. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time.